This is Thursday, November 4th, and today we're picking up in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Now, this is the section of what life looks like in the name of Jesus. And today we begin this challenging section where Paul addresses slaves and masters. Colossians 3.23 Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Do not do it only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, the first thing we recognize is that slaves are already a part of the church, the body of Christ. Yes, something amazing has already happened. As the gospel went out, the poor and those in slavery heard the gospel as the message of freedom that it is. We know that from the earliest days of the church, slaves were not only members, but some of them were church leaders too. Status in the world did not equate with status in the body of Christ. We've learned that in Christ there is neither Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free. Now we may be surprised that Paul does not tell the new believers to have nothing to do with slavery. But think about it. That really is not an option. Though Christians over time have an immense influence in ending slavery across the world, at the time, slavery was a durable institution and part of life in the empire. Now, it sounds like Paul is actually condoning slavery. But if we think this is true, we miss the point. The Jewish people knew slavery well. They themselves had been slaves in Egypt. But we need to be careful here on at least two fronts. First, ancient slavery was different than the modern slavery that we know of. How so? Slavery then was not race-based. For example, Joseph was a Hebrew slave serving Egyptians. Race slavery is what we know in America. But in the ancient world, it was common for people to sell themselves into slavery as a means of employment because they were in debt or were destitute. And finally, though slavery at the time, at any time, can be harsh and brutal, at the time of Paul, slaves had a way out. They could gain freedom and places of prominence, and they often did. Now, it's true that at times Christians supported slavery. This is shameful and has hurt the gospel. But this is not life in the name of Jesus. Now, there's a second reason to be careful here. While Paul gives instructions to slaves and masters, the goal of Jesus in redemption is freedom. I want to be clear about this. The message of Jesus is one of liberty. That's always been the ultimate goal. So the question is, how will this freedom come? Slave rebellions were common in the Roman Empire and were always met with force. Hundreds of slaves, even thousands, were killed through the years when they were in rebellions. 6,000 slaves alone survived the war when Spartacus rose up against Rome and they were crucified as a result. Paul does not advocate rebellion. Instead, he sees something far more beautiful happening. While he is in prison where he writes this letter, he encounters a fellow prisoner, a runaway slave named Onesimus. Paul is surprised to discover that he knows the master of this slave. And here is what happens. Paul became very close to Onesimus while they were in prison, and he led him to faith in Christ. 
Now, runaway slaves were either killed or returned to their masters. And Onesimus is returned to his master. But he is carrying a letter written by Paul that has ended up in our New Testament. It's called the book of Philemon, named after the recipient of Paul's letter and Onesimus' master. In that letter, Paul tells Philemon, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. It's the book of Philemon, verse 12, verse 15 and 16. Now, yes, the beauty is that Philemon's runaway slave is now seen as a dear brother in Christ. And what is more, look at how important Onesimus has become to Paul. Here is the model that Jesus gives us. Here is love and friendship that denies the barriers that the world has. Here is a new relationship between brothers and Christ. Violence is never advocated, only love. Indeed, Paul, as much as he loves this man, sends him back to his master. The commands here in the book of Colossians are, off, are even more radical. He says that the way of Jesus is to serve the Lord, not only your master. Why? Your life is fully lived to the Lord and not for yourself. And by the way, your master, well, he has a master he will stand before one day. He will give account of what he has done to God, just as you will. And so how will the world change? Through Jesus, one heart, one person, one city, one nation at a time. On Sunday, I shared the stanza of this great hymn, Lead On, O King Eternal. It says, For not with swords loud clashing or roll of stirring drums, but with deeds of love and mercy the heavenly kingdom comes. Jesus himself did not take up arms. Instead, he laid down his life. In his love, the world has changed and the heavenly kingdom is coming. As I said on Sunday, sometimes it's not coming fast enough, at least fast enough in the way we see things. But this is the way God works in our world through Jesus. Sadly, today there is traffic of human beings in almost every corner of our world. So much remains to be done for the kingdom of God to come in all its fullness. This is why it's even more important to spread the message of grace across the world to every nation. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us for the way we treat each other. You made us in your image, and human history records our failure to reflect your glory and your holiness. We pray for those in our world that remained in bondage, and those that live where violence puts them in danger. Call us to live from the grace of Jesus, we pray, that the life of Jesus may be seen in us and increasingly in our world. In, in his name we pray, amen.